start with an object lesson. I wanted to, I, I was wondering, so you can't, I, I couldn't go to the supermarket and ask for sour grapes. Could I get a bundle of sour grapes? Uh, they hide them. Have you ever had that experience? Where, you, where you've got a nice cluster of grapes and, oh, those look good. And so you take one and you pop it in. Ooh, ooh, that wasn't quite right. It wasn't at all what you were expecting. You were expecting a nice, sweet grape that was just going to burst in your mouth with all of that grapely goodness, and it wasn't like that at all. Sour grapes. You know, God has experienced that. God, God gives us a picture. He gives us an image of a vineyard he planted. He tells a story in Isaiah chapter 5. I, I remember this verse. It's actually a song, and when I... When I go to the verse in my mind, I start seeing the song. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He, he worked and cleared the stones away. The land was good to till. He, he built a wine vat in its midst and planted it with wine in hopes that it would yield good grapes that he might drink the wine. Well, the lyrics changed a little bit, but there's the story in Isaiah f- uh, 5 and uh, verses 1 and 2. He looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. His God's vineyard was his people. The keeper of the vineyard, the Lord of hosts is he. The vineyard is his people. Oh, Israel, can't you see? When he was seeking righteousness and justice for his wine, He only found iniquity hanging on the vine. He was seeking good fruit, and he only found bad fruit. And um, other places in Scripture pick up the same image. You find it in Psalm 80, verse 14. Return, we beseech you, we beg you, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see. Visit this vine in the vineyard which your right hand has planted, your people. The branch that you made strong for yourself, it's, it's burned, it's cut down. They perish at the rebuke of your countenance. Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, upon the son of man whom you made strong for yourself. Then we will turn back. Then we will not turn back from you. When your hand is strong upon the Son of Man, then we will not turn back from you. Revive us and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Cause your face to shine and we shall be saved. What more can be done? Isaiah 5 asked the question. What more can be done for God's vineyard? What more could be done to, to, to get good fruit from wild, sour grapes? Something can be done. They could be restored. Isaiah 37 puts it this way. The remnant who have escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. Fruit of lives in worship. Isaiah 27, 6 says this way. In days to come, Jacob will take root. Israel will bud and blossom and fill the world with fruit. This is anticipation. This is coming out of wild grapes, sour, bitter grapes grapes, there will be good fruit from God's vine. How will that happen? That's the passage that's before us this morning. The question I want to put before you this morning is where does good fruit come from? Where does lasting fruit come from? 
fruit that is good, fruit that will last, fruit that will endure. Where does it come from? And the passage just before us this morning is, is one of those passages that should be familiar. I don't say that to mean that, that probably all of you have heard of it and read it, but if you haven't heard of it before, it's good that you're here this morning. Because this is a passage that should become familiar to us. It's an image that we ought to soak in a little bit. But as we, as we consider the image, I want us to back up and get the context. We have been in what's called the Upper Room Discourse. Started in John 14. We started there because it was in John 14 where Jesus makes that extraordinary promise. He says, the one who believes in me will do even greater works than I do. Greater works than I have done because I go to the Father. Because I'm departing. Those who believe in me, you, will do even greater works. How can that be? Because he's departing through death. And in his death for us, not only are we reconciled to God, but now because we are reconciled to God, the Holy Spirit who had been near them would now be in them. The presence of the living God would actually dwell within his people, empowering his people in ways that had not occurred before. There's no separation, and so now the very presence of God would dwell in his people as his temple, as his dwelling place, empowering us to bear fruit. And he takes that idea, and in the second half of chapter 14, we talked about the filling then of the Spirit. The filling of the Spirit in the end of chapter 14 had to do with relationship with God, and now the, the conversation is continued and the, fill, and the same filling of the Spirit, how can my life and yours be full of the Spirit? But the thrust now is on the filling of the Spirit for fruitfulness in life. You want your life to matter. I was at a, a sad but hopeful occasion yesterday. It was a memorial service. In fact, I should pause here. It was a memorial service for missionaries that our church has, has known, that we have prayed for, that we have given gifts to on occasion. Uh, the, um, it, it was for Bev Wharton, wife of uh, Scotty Wharton. They have served together for about 20 years in the Muslim world. She was diagnosed with cancer very quickly taken, about 15 days from diagnosis to death. A sad story, especially for the family left behind. And... In view of the family left behind, we want to come around as their family. Our church has a, has a Christmas project each year that we do together as a church, and we announce that just after Thanksgiving. And, and this year, that Christmas project is going to be as we receive gifts and designate it in one area. It's been different ministries in the community and so over, over the years. This year, it's going to be the Wharton family. We are going to focus on Scotty Wharton and those, those five kids. And... Um, coming around them in a practical, tangible way, expressing our love to that family, care for them, God's care for them through us, the life of God throwing, flowing through his branches, and we're one of those branches. So that'll be our, there'll be more information in the bulletin next week, but that will be our church Christmas project this year. But it was a, it was a sad occasion, and yet it was a celebrating occasion because it was clear that a life shorter than any of us would have wanted mattered deeply, mattered greatly. Hearing of the, of the confidence she had in her God that caused her to, to make joyful choices that she made. Hers was a life that bore fruit. Hers was a life that mattered. Hers was a life that, that bore fruit that would last into eternity. And you say, I want my life to last like that. Does, how does it come? 
Is it just trying harder? Is it working at it more? Is it carefully examining myself and and crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's and making sure that I step in all the right places and do all the right things and, and, and fill my life with the right kind of activities and stay away from the wrong ones and that's how fruit will come? No. It's simpler than that. And that answer, where does lasting fruit come from, is in our passage this morning. So Jesus has finished chapter 14. At the end of chapter 14, there's a a, a page turn. He says, arise, let us go from here. Judas has already departed. Judas has already gone to go fetch the guards to have Jesus arrested. Judas has has already planned his betrayal, and he's left, and Jesus told him, what you must do, do quickly, and he's on his way. And so Jesus says, arise, let us go from here. I've got more things to say. This is important. We can't stay here because this is the first place they're going to come looking. And so they begin to wind their way through Jerusalem, eventually out to the Mount of, uh, 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 out the Mount of Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane, where you find them in John chapter 18. So what's happening now in chapter 15 is between the upper room, probably, on the way. Now, classically, we've, we've understood, okay, they've left Jerusalem, and they're walking across the Kidron Valley, and there they find these grape fields, and it's, or the, these vineyards, rather, and it's a, it's a great object lesson. But actually, the way John 18 is, is, is written, I don't think they've left the city yet. I think they've gone from the upper room by the temple. And uh, there at the main doorway, the main entrance to the temple, there were these two big pillars over the front doorway and up each pillar and across the top, there was a golden grapevine. The grape clusters on this vine were as tall as a man. It was huge because Israel, you see, Isaiah 5, God's people were the vine. And God expected them to bear fruit. God expected good grapes. And yet they, they um, produced the fruit of iniquity. They pr- produced the fruit of injustice and unrighteousness. Bad grapes, bitter grapes, sour grapes. What would God do? How would he restore his vineyard once it had turned, once it had gone wild like that? How would God do? It's in that context. With a backdrop, imagine Israel is the vineyard and there in the temple, this golden vineyard with these huge grape clusters. Israel boldly saying, we are the vine. And now Jesus says, if you turn with me to John chapter 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. And then he he uses words, remain with me, abide with me, to explain how you and I can bear fruit that will last. Turn with me to John chapter 14. I want to read those verses. If you're using a pew Bible, if you, if, if you weren't able to bring your Bible with you this morning, using one of the Bibles in front of you, you should find us on page 764. But open up and read along with me, or, or follow along as I read John chapter 15, the first 17 verses. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Remain in me or abide in me, and I will remain in you. 
No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain, abide, continue in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. And such branches are picked up, they're thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you that your joy may be complete. My commandment is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I have chosen you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love one another. Father, would you take your word? Would you make it clear to us? Would you speak clearly and simply to us this morning, Father, that we would then continue in the true vine, in Jesus our Savior? That that's where life would be found. And from him, Lord, in our lives, fruit would be born. That's what we ask for this morning, Father. By your spirit, open your word to us that we would trust you more, that we would rest in you, that you, your life would flow through us and that you would use us for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. My goal in the Gospel of John is to take something simple and make it simple. The the Gospel of John is simple and deep. Simple words, straightforward imagery, and yet what is here? What does it mean to abide in me and I in you? What does it mean to remain in me? If I were to boil that down, first of all, he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you you can do nothing. There's no life in a branch. If the branch is apart from the, from the vine, the branch is dead. Life is only found in the vine. As long as a branch of a, grape, of a grapevine is attached to that vine, that's where it gets its life. And the life of the vine flows through that branch, and it lives, and because it's alive, it bears fruit. First of all, he, when, when Jesus says, continue in me, and let me jump ahead a little bit. He talks about branches that don't continue in him. And you wonder, well, what does that mean? We just had a demonstration of it among the disciples. And we're going to have another demonstration. There's going to be two disciples that are going to deny Christ. One of them is a denial in betrayal. That's Judas. Judas makes up his mind and said, nope, I'm going this way. Eyes wide open. He rejects Jesus as Messiah and says, I'm putting my lot with the Jewish leadership. I'm going to turn him in. Peter, on the other hand, in a lack of courage, in cowardice, in fact, Peter denies his Lord. And yet, the Lord appears to Peter 
and then to the other disciples. The Lord restores Peter. The Lord gives him three times to affirm his love again. Peter's different than Judas. Judas is one who did not remain. Peter, even though he faltered, Peter, even though he lacked courage, Peter did continue in his faith in Jesus. That faith continued. It was alive. It was real. Judas's wasn't even from the beginning. Peter continued with the Lord. Judas was one who did not remain in Christ. What does that mean to remain in that remain in me or not remain in me? Uh, Christ used that language earlier in John chapter 6. Maybe you remember the occasion where, where Jesus feeds the multitudes. And they like that. And they say, that was great. Free lunch. Do it again. In fact, you buy us lunch, we make you king. You see, the world hasn't changed so much. You know, when the leadership, will, hey, you know, bread and circuses of Rome and, and keep the masses at bay, the world hasn't changed so much. You buy us bread, you bring us lunch, we will jump behind you. We will join your parade. You have got our vote. All right. Jesus says, no, that's not what I've come for. I came to give you true bread, which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. At this they said, oh, wait a minute. A Messiah, a Savior who's going to die and we're somehow going to share in personally? We're going to share in and benefit from and receive life out of his death? No, we don't want a dead king. We want a living and powerful and miraculous and bread-bringing king. That's the king we want. And when they heard that that's what Jesus' agenda was, Jesus says, no, 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 you're going to have to drink my, my, my blood. You're going to have to eat my flesh. It's out of my death that you're going to be sustained. They said, no, 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 we don't want that kind of king. And it says, many did not remain with him. Many did not continue with him. Many did not abide with him any longer. That's what the word means. That's the same phrase he uses again now when he talks about those who do not abide with him, who do not continue in faith in him. To abide, quite simply, is this. Believe. If you just believe. If you only believe. If you believe only, not believe and, not believe in work, but my life is in Jesus Christ. Only. I've got nothing else. It's not that I believe in Jesus and I work hard. It's not that I believe Jesus is the Son of God and I will do the things that I'm supposed to do. To remain in Christ is to believe only. He is my source of life. He is my only source of life. There's nothing else. I've got nowhere else to go. To believe so exclusively in Jesus as my life. If when I get to those pearly gates, and if it were true that Peter was really there with a roster, and he were to say, why should I let you into God's heaven? I would say, because I have believed in Jesus. You say, well, that's good. That's a good start. That's good. What else have you got? I said, well, I got nothing else. I have no other claim to God's presence except that I believe in Jesus. 
And I believe in him exclusively to the point that if Peter said, well, that's good, but it's not quite enough, I would have to sadly drop my head and turn away because I've got no other claim. I've got no, I've got no plan B. I've got no other fallback, no other reliance, no other confidence except that my life is in him. That's what it is to continue in him. Because it's going to be a time when, why are you believing in somebody who died? Because of somebody who died, rose again. Somebody who died, rose again, and has ascended to the right hand of the majesty on high. And is coming again. But he's not dead, he's living but he died and lives for me, and I continue in him. He is my life. First of all, life is in Jesus and in no one else. Secondly, fruitfulness comes out of life in Jesus. I don't have it. All I've got is sour grapes. All I've got is wild grapes. All I've got is bitter fruit in myself. But, but, but when this branch is on the vine, the life of the vine, flows from the vine into that branch. And here's the image again of the filling of the Spirit. You see it? The filling of the Spirit that the Spirit sent from the Father and the Son to the believer. And it's through the Spirit that we bear as Christians, as believers in Christ, the fruit of the Spirit. The life flows through us. Take that branch off the vine. It does nothing. It doesn't bear any fruit. And, and sometimes there'll be a branch, that it, was, it was right there on the vine. It wasn't even clipped off yet. It wasn't broken. It wasn't pruned. And for some reason, we had this with a cherry tree this year. It's the weirdest thing I ever saw. First of all, it was a weird cherry tree to begin with. I mean, it was, okay, you, you had the cherry tree, and it has three branches, and they've all been grafted into the one stalk, okay? So three branches all grafted into one, one trunk. So three different kinds of cherries all from one tree. Pretty cool, huh? You like that? It's a pretty cool tree. All right. They self-pollinate themselves as well because they're different varieties from different trees. So you only need one tree and you got cherries. Seemed like a good deal. But this year, something happened. We don't know what. We haven't got a clue what happened. But two of those three branches just on their own died. They quit. It was in the middle of spring, late spring. All of a sudden, little bitty cherries that had started to form dried up. Leaves way too early yellowed and fell off. And the branches that had been green and supple and bendable became brittle. They were dead. There was no life in them. And those branches could still hang there. And in the wintertime, maybe you wouldn't know the difference. But come spring again, there would be one branch with leaves and two branches without. Those branches were no good for bearing fruit because they had not, for some reason, they hadn't continued in the source. And the only thing they were good for was to cut them off and use them for firewood. The branch that doesn't abide is like that. The branch that doesn't continue, the branch that doesn't continue and believe in Jesus only is like that branch that doesn't continue in the vine. It, it, it casts down. And you know, think about grape vines. They're not good for anything but bearing fruit. Have you ever seen a grape wood table? Have you ever seen a grape wood bookshelf? Have you ever seen a grape wood utensil? 
people don't make anything out of grape wood. It's not much good for that. It's not a good word for making things out of. It's only good for bearing fruit. What you and I were made for, what you and I were created for, was attached to the vine, abiding in the vine, that the life of the vine flows through us. We were made to bear fruit. We were made to bear fruit. So first of all, the, I, I, I mentioned fruitfulness requires, that the fruitfulness is in the vine. Fruitfulness requires initial cleansing. Jesus says, you are clean. He says, you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you that you believed, Jesus as your Savior. I will die for you, he said. They believed it. Who do men say that I am? All kinds of crazy things. Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The word spoken to them concerning him that they believed, that cleaned them. And yet, the, 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 the branch that abides in me, he says, and that, that bears fruit, he cleanses it. And the word is a, is a word for pruning that it might bear even more fruit. That's the good news. You were waiting for this part. When you have been doing well and you have been growing in the Christian life, guess what? There's pruning coming. You know, we cannot look back on yesterday. We cannot look back on last year. Fruit is not born on a vine on last year's branches. It's not. You've got to prune it. In fact, they will prune off 90% of the last year's growth in order for the new shoots to come. And you control how much new shoots. You've got to trim off the old because the, the, only so much new can be handled at a time. Otherwise, you'll be growing lots of vine. You won't have any energy left in order to bear fruit. And so much of the old, 90% of the old is trimmed off. And a lot of times, we have been in a place where God has been gracious. God has used us. And that's been a place of blessing. And we linger there. Time goes on. And yet we linger there. We even look back there. You know one of the classic places this happens? Let me just wander over here for a minute. Beware, high schoolers. You are at a place right now where you are being challenged. And you're growing in that transition out of, out of high school into adulthood. And right in, that, in those moments, you have, have been pressed by friends and by, le- by youth leaders into increased faith in the Lord. And you've seen God use you here and there and with that person. And, and you took a step and you saw God work. And you carry on the, the next year still looking back on high school. Still looking back on that youth group time. And out of that intense, almost greenhouse effect, it's easy to keep looking back and no longer bearing fruit. You look back on the wonderful days that were, and you don't bear fruit in the next place that God has as he's growing you as a branch. You keep looking back at what was, But God does not bear fruit on what was. Many of you have had wonderful experiences in the past of how you saw God move and how you saw God work. Now, thank the Lord. But we we cannot rest there. We don't continue to look back there. We give thanks to God, and yet we say, God, even prune. Because new fruit is grown in the midst of the pruning. And only in the pruning. 
Lord, what must you remove? What must you take away? What dead wood cannot remain so that you will bear even more fruit? The one that bears fruit, he prunes it. He cleanses it so that it will bear even more fruit. That's what he wants from us. That's what he desires for us. I shouldn't say he wants from us because he produces it in us. That's what God desires for us, that we would bear even more fruit. Fruitfulness requires initial cleansing. Fruitfulness requires repeated pruning year after year after year. And fruitfulness requires continuing fellowship, continuing to abide in the vine. I talked about those who do not continue to abide in the vine. But true branches stay on the vine. True branches have the life of the vine flowing through them so that the DNA, you know, grape branches attached to a grape vine, you know what they produce? You were thinking cherries because I talked about a cherry tree earlier. But they don't. That's the problem with the cherry tree and the cherry tree analogy with the different kinds of branches growing in and each branch grew its own fruit. The vine bears fruit that is related out of the vine. The branches bear fruit out of the vine. Same DNA. And so Jesus then says, as you are bearing fruit, as you are bearing that fruit of the Spirit, ask what you will, and my Father will give it to you. You say, wow, what a promise. Whatever I ask, God's going to give now. That's a promise I can use. No, it's out of the fruit bearing. It's when your ask is in line with God's DNA because your ask is even generated. The desire wells up out of the life of the vine flowing through you as a branch. Then guess what? That is exactly what God intends to bear in us and through us. If you just believe the gospel concerning Jesus for your own forgiveness, your own acceptance. There's nothing else I need to do for forgiveness, for acceptance. That's the basis of abiding, staying with the vine and being fruitful because it's in relation to him, it's in reliance on him that we will be fruitful. If we just believe, as I sketched it in the outline, trying to grab hold of this, that all of that repeated about abiding, all that repeated about remaining, believe in him. Look to him. Look to him not only for salvation, but look to him for spiritual life. And in that life, as it flows through you, you will bear fruit. What does that fruit look like? That's the last section of the passage from verses 9 to 17. If you believe, if you abide, you will bear fruit. You will bear that fruit of the Spirit, that fruit of love, which is what God's fruit looks like. That's God's DNA. Didn't John boil it down this way? That God is love. That's the essence of God. That's the essential of God. And so if we are as branches attached to the vine, guess what? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. Against those things, there is no law. I'm not worried about what rules am I keeping, what rules am I not keeping. If God's attributes... God's character, God's likeness is welling up in me out of my faith in him, out of my continuing in him. You bear the fruit of love, what it looks like. There's a couple things I wanted to share here. 
Well, there's three things that Jesus mentions. Jesus says that if you are abiding in me, you will bear fruit. This is what it'll look like. It'll, it'll be the fulfillment of my command to love one another. And he says, this is what love looks like. And he lists three characteristics. And these are what I wanted to highlight. L- love looks like this. Laying down one's life for a friend. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And this is what my commandment looks like, to love one another. Love looks like this. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. Love looks like sacrifice. One of the things you can expect to see, one of the things you would say, well, how do I step into this? If it's a matter of I'm told to abide, I'm told to continue, how do I do that? I understand the trust in Christ part, but how do I step into that? One of the ways that you step into that, one of the ways, things that love looks like is laying down one's life for his friends. Love doesn't look any better than that. That's what love looks like. Laying down one's life for others, for us to sacrifice for others. And he says, he goes on, he expands that a little bit, laying down one's life for his friends. And he says, you are my friends rather than my servants. A lot of times when we come alongside others, because this bearing of fruit is a matter of the characteristics of God in me and it's my relationship to others for God. One of the things that we, we, we would expect out of this when the disciples are going, are, are, are going to be told to, to go forth, to go out of Jerusalem even, and to bear fruit, fruit that would remain into eternity. The faith of others that's born out of their faith, out of their life, out of Christ's life in them. He said what that looks like is not servants, but friends. What it looks like is not control, a controlled obedience, a fitting standard, a fitting expectations. You start acting like this, but there's a friendship relationship. There's an openness. There's, a, there's an authenticity between Jesus and his disciples that will carry out into the church body where we can come together. We can be life on life for one another. And you can come alongside of others, which leads me into the third which is, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. One of the things that struck me fresh out of the passage this time is that love looks like sacrifice in friendship toward others that we choose to initiate. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I want you to think back to something like Christmas jazz or to something like um, a family gathering you're going to have or some other time during holidays like Thanksgiving just passed or events that are coming up and you're going to be around people. (laughs) It might be tomorrow. But you're going to be around people. People that, there are some people that you're around that you click with, right? And the friendship just happens. And you're happy, as you get to know them better, you're happy to, to give yourself for them and they give themselves for you and it just happens together and it's wonderful. And it's that human relationship of, of giving and receiving, of that interflow together, that sharing of life that's fellowship and it just happens on its own and it's sweet, right? But there are also those that you should choose to love. 
See, the fruit that's born out of the vine is also intentional. And that's where, where it comes on the end here, where Jesus said, see, you didn't choose me. It just, this didn't just happen. I chose you and appointed you. And if we follow in that pattern of Christ in our fruit bearing, then we also choose. I will choose to love. I will choose to step into from acquaintance to friendship relationship. I used the, I used the um, example a couple weeks ago of just walking across the room, of establishing that first relationship. You don't know where it's going to go. You don't know what they're going to say. But I'll choose to take that first step or I'll choose to take that next step. I will choose to give myself to a person that isn't that kind of friend that I would anticipate, but I will choose to be a friend for them. I will give myself. I think of an example of someone here in our church had a neighbor a couple doors down that, well, if you looked at their common interests, you wouldn't have said that this person would be our friend. They don't do the same kinds of things that we do. But there was something that just provoked an initiation of relationship. There was something that I would call the life of the vine in the branch that provoked, I am going to reach out to this person as friend. This person was mixed up in relationships. This person was, was, um, ended up in the midst of those relationships, uh, violent encounters and a door smashed in. And there was, there was partying and there was substance abuse and all of these things that didn't seem to make a relationship or that to work together. But one comes alongside another still as friend. And guess what? That life is changing. That life is being changed right before our eyes. And it started out of love, intentional love, chosen love that determined I am going to be a friend to that neighbor, to that person. I don't know what God's going to do with that, but taking that first step and a second, a third actually, walking across the room, walking down the sidewalk and saying, God, would you bear fruit here? God is faithful. God is in the business of restoring his vine. Israel was that vine. Israel was, became a wild vine. Israel did not bear fruit. Instead of good grapes, bitter grapes. Wild and tangled. And many would say the only thing left is to cut it down, to burn it up. It's gone. It can't be recovered. The vine itself prays in Psalm 80, Oh Lord, would you restore us? Oh Lord, would you revive us? How? Bring the Son of Man. The Son of Man has come. The Son of Man who is the true vine. And the true vine says, You trust me. You can't do it. You cannot bring forth anything in your life of yourself that would please God, of, the, of yourself that would be of lasting eternal value. You don't have it. You trust me. You abide in me. Trust me. You believe me, and I then by my spirit through you will bear fruit. I'll bear fruit in you. I will bear fruit through you. That purpose of restoring Israel is the big work 
of the Messiah. Reaching into his second coming. Oops, future's this way. Reaching into his second coming that we haven't even seen yet. This is God's big work. This is God's grand work. And you now, on an individual scale, as an individual branch, are in the midst of that. God, bear fruit. God, even out of this little branch, would you bring it? Would you bear fruit? Fruit that would last. And he says, you ask that way. You ask according to that. And out of his faithfulness, that's exactly what he will do. I want to encourage you. You have, you have in your bulletins this morning, you have a communication card. I want to ask you to use that this morning to help me. I, 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 I like to go through the list, the, the directory, the folks here in the church, and use that as my prayer guide. But sometimes I'm not sure how I should be praying for you. I'd like you to help me with that. And if you have a request that you don't want to go beyond me, then that's fine. There's a mark there on the bottom about keep this to the pastors, and we will. But let me know how I can be praying for you. I would like to be doing that in, the, in this next week. I'd like to be joining you in that John 15 prayer of God in my life bear this fruit. God through me in the life of somebody else, would you bear fruit? Give me a name if you want to give a name. Don't give a name if you don't want to give a name. But would you use that card and add that into the offering as it goes by? Would you help me to know how to pray for you? And as we are praying for one another, oh God, those are the exact kinds of prayer. Fruit-focused prayers are what God said he'll answer. Would you pray with me? Father, even as we're prepared then to offer these prayers before you, even in the offering, that we might remember them, that we would hold them before you and ask you to do your work. Father, hear our hearts now. Lord, we want you to bear fruit. We long for it. Father, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of distraction, in the midst of so many things that would attract our attention away, help us to abide in the vine, to remain there, that you would bear fruit there. Do it in us, Father. Do it through us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As the ushers are coming.